Amen. Praise be the name of the Lord always. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man there was named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. The word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for being able to be here to worship you, being able to be here, Lord, to share your word, being able to be here, Lord, just to recognize your goodness and your grace in our lives. Lord, as I proclaim this word, let your thoughts be my own, that I will share exactly what it is that we need to hear this morning. Speak to us your truth through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Traveling stories are one of the things that Luke does really well. If you think about it, a lot of what Luke wrote in the book of Luke and the book of Acts reads like a travel journal. Anybody ever keep a travel journal? I went to this place, and I ate this, and I had this, and I visited with so-and-so, and then I went to this other place. And you kind of keep track of a kind of a, an itinerary or or, or a timeline of the, of the places you went, the people you met, the things you did that were of note. And when you, when you read the Gospel of Luke, it really reads like a travel journal. He wants to make sure that we know the stories of Jesus, where he went, who he met, what he did when he met them, what changed after people met Jesus. See, Luke wanted to tell the whole story of Jesus. That's why Luke tells us about the birth of Jesus like no other gospel does. Did you know that? Mark begins when Jesus begins his ministry, when he's already 33. But Luke, Luke begins at the manger. He begins with the promise of Jesus coming. He begins with Elizabeth and John the Baptist. He begins all the way at the beginning, and he goes through the whole story of Jesus all the way post-crucifixion and resurrection. You see, he doesn't want you to get just a little idea of who Jesus is. He wants you to get the totality of the story of Jesus. The other thing that Luke's 
really into is parables. You know, most of the parables that we know, parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the prodigal son, most of them are from Luke. That's the version we know. Because Luke goes into great detail to tell us about what happened in these stories and where Jesus told them and what the interpretation of some of those parables are. As if that wasn't enough, there's more. It almost sounds like an infomercial for midnight, you know, sales. There's more because Luke also likes miracles. And so one of the things that Luke always does is he wants to paint a picture of the situation before Jesus so that you can understand how big the miracle is once Jesus arrives and you can see the result of Jesus having been there. And I want to tell you, if Jesus comes, there is an impact that happens when Jesus comes. In every single one of these healing stories, people are healed and restored from where they were to a new life, to abundant life, to a life they didn't even think they could have. The lepers who were completely isolated, become part of the society again. The blind man who had not been able to see is able to see his, his family for the first time. And just, just can you imagine the cripple that couldn't even walk and leaves carrying his own bed, running and leaping? I mean, Jesus transformed life after life after life. And Luke wants to make sure that we understand the full picture of who Jesus was. So in our scripture today, we find the very last encounter of Jesus before he goes to Jerusalem to give his life for us. It is the very last story that Luke gives us where Jesus encounters somebody before he enters Jerusalem triumphantly on Palm Sunday. It's a familiar story. Because most of us, when we hear the name Zacchaeus, immediately begin to sing. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a little bit. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Immediately in our heads, we begin to sing that because we know the story. We learned it. We either learned it in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. We read it in a book. But it's one of those stories that we teach children from way when they're little. Because the story of Zacchaeus is so easy to relate to. Here's a short guy that couldn't see Jesus. I mean, who doesn't like a short guy's story? He couldn't see Jesus, but he had more problems than that. The scripture tells us he was a chief tax collector. And we already established that nobody likes tax collectors. But if you think nobody likes tax collectors, I just want you to think how much they like chief tax collectors. Nobody likes them. Why? Because they collected the taxes for Rome from the people that were Jewish, and they also added a little bit on the top for themselves. We studied this last week. And so Zacchaeus was not a guy who had a lot of buddy buddies and friends. People did not like him. He wasn't invited to the Christmas party and the Thanksgiving dinner. He wasn't the guy that you wanted in your house because he was a chief tax collector. And yet, he hears about this man coming to town named Jesus. And the scripture doesn't tell us how he heard about it. It doesn't tell us who he heard it from. 
It doesn't tell us a lot of detail about, about how he developed this curiosity for Jesus. But he develops a curiosity to know who this Jesus is. And you know why he had a curiosity for who Jesus was? Because most people didn't know who he was. Most people had him confused with a prophet or a teacher. They didn't really know that he was the son of God in the flesh. Most people were confused about his ministry and didn't understand what he was about. And in the Gospel of Luke, we have story after story where you see the group of people that get it and the group of people that don't. And unfortunately, the group of people that don't is usually larger than the people that get it. And so here's Zacchaeus. He, he must have heard a story. He must have heard about a miracle, a healing, something that Jesus said, something that Jesus did that made him want to know who he was. But he wanted to know for himself. Have you ever heard of a famous performer coming to town that you really, really like? You got their you got their CD, you play their music all the time, or you see them all the time on TV, and you're like, wonder if I could get tickets so I could see them up close, so I could meet them. I'm going to go for backstage passes. You know, you get excited and you get that curiosity because we all want to meet that person, right? We want to put the real person with the person that we have in our head that they are. And it's not the same, right? You're meeting that person face to face. And that's the kind of curiosity that we get from Zacchaeus. He said, I, I want to meet this guy. I want to know who he is. He didn't even know what he looked like. He knew he was, probably knew he was from Nazareth, because that was common knowledge. But other than that, he just knows he's coming into town. He's in Jericho. And Zacchaeus has several problems getting backstage passes. The first one is nobody likes him. So there's nobody going, hey, Zacchaeus, I'll take you to Jesus. Nobody's there going, Zacchaeus, why don't we go and join the crowd and go, go see this Jesus? Nobody's going, Zacchaeus, let me introduce you to Jesus. And the second problem is he's short. So literally, when there's a crowd of people, and he is the shortest one in the group, he can't see over all those people. I imagine somebody kind of Danny DeVito size, you know, really short. We won't pick on anybody in the congregation with this illustration. We'll just, <laughs> Danny DeVito size, short. He can't see over the crowds of people. And by this point, Jesus is at the end of his ministry. He's at the end of the time that he's been doing miracles and wonders and signs. He's fed multitudes. He's walked on water. He's raised the dead. And so he is famous. It's not the same to go see Barry Bonds when he was just getting started than when he was, you know, on the home run streak. There's crowds everywhere. He can't get close to Jesus. There's no way that he's going to be able to even get a look from afar because of that crowd. And so he makes a decision. He comes up with a plan. Because let me tell you, when people are curious enough about Jesus, they'll come up with a plan to try to get close to him. When people are intrigued enough about Jesus, they'll try to find a way to search 
for Jesus, even as Jesus is searching for them. And the scripture says he decided that he would climb a sycamore tree that was on the path that he knew the crowd was going to take. And like I told the kids, he was probably going, well, I'll just climb on the tree and I'll look for the guy that everybody else is turning to. Everybody else is paying attention to. That's got to be Jesus, right? The one that everybody is huddled around, that's going to be Jesus. So I'm going to climb the sycamore tree and I'm going to wait until he comes by. And literally, I am going to stalk Jesus. I'm going to eavesdrop. I'm going to hear what he's got to say without him even knowing that I'm on the tree. I am going to hear what people are telling him and what he's responding back. I'm going to be the fly on the wall. And I'm going to hear everything and see everything and find out who this Jesus really is. And you got to remember, Zacchaeus was probably not a tree climber by trade. He was probably wearing some fine clothes because not only was he a chief tax collector, he was rich. So here he is with his fine clothing, climbing a sycamore tree, probably trying to find a little spot where he can hide behind the leaves and the branches where people won't see him, waiting for Jesus to walk by. Just waiting for that moment when Jesus will walk by. And I said, like I said to the children, I don't think he wanted anybody to know he was there because it wasn't exactly dignified for the chief tax collector to be up on a tree. And it wasn't dignified for the chief tax collector to be looking for some religious teacher to follow or to listen to. And it wasn't dignified for him to, to be so interested in these religious matters because he was an official of Rome. But the curiosity about Jesus was so great that he decided to risk everything. He got in that tree, and here comes the crowd. He was so desperate to see and to hear Jesus. And at the same time, I think he was terrified that anybody would notice he was in the tree. And then, much to his chagrin, Jesus calls him out, looks up right at him, Zacchaeus, come down. I must go to your house today. I must go to your house today. I'm surprised he didn't fall off the tree. I'm surprised he didn't just drop down from the shock. I'm sure he was like, if I find the snitch that told Jesus I was in the tree, I'm going to get him. How did he know my name? Somebody told him I was in the tree. But who? He must have wondered how this man knew who he was. And I want to tell you something. When we're searching for Jesus, Jesus has already been searching for us for a long time. He's already been looking for us, and he already knows who we are. He knows our name. He knows where we've been. He knows what we've done. And despite all of those things, he still wants to invite us to be with him, to dwell with him. Come down. I must go to your house today. Unless you study the Greek here, you don't understand just how serious this is. 
The Greek word for must here is imperative. It's not a suggestion. It's not I'd like to. It's not maybe we should hang out. It's I have to. It's a necessity for me to be with you in your house today. It is the same Greek word that Jesus used when he said, I must go to the cross to die for you. It's the same Greek word that Jesus used when he said, the Father's plan must be fulfilled in me. It is the same Greek word that Jesus used when he wanted people to understand this is the way things needed to go. And so it was emphatic. I must go to your house today. Now, if Jesus said that to us, we'd try to reschedule for next week after the house cleaner had a chance to come by. We'd say, Jesus, today's no good, but maybe Tuesday or Wednesday... We try to reschedule for another moment. We might even put him off and say, you know, this is not a good time. I got the kids. I got stuff going on. <laughs> Maybe later after their nap. But the scripture says that he hurried down from that tree, obeying what Jesus had told him to do. And he was just happy and joyous because Jesus knew who he was. He knew him by name, and he wanted to go to his house. Out of all the houses in town, Zacchaeus was getting Jesus in his house. And if you don't believe that he was, he was overjoyed by that, then you need to read the story again. The scripture says he hurried down and he was, just, he was just like, let's go. Come on. Let's do it. And everyone that was there grumbled. Oh, Lord. If he only knew how much of a sinner this guy was. If he only knew that this guy is a chief tax collector. He only knew. You know, there's so many times that people want to tell Jesus stuff about other people thinking that this is going to discredit them and they don't understand that God's love is not dependent on what we've done, but on what he does and what he has done. And he loves us and wants to redeem us from our circumstances. They grumbled and they said, if he only knew what kind of sinner this is. You know, for them, he was not just a sinner. He was the worst of sinners. He was a betrayer of his own people. He was just a greedy little dude. And they didn't like him. And Jesus was going to his house. People did not understand why Jesus would do this. And let me tell you, there are times when we don't understand what Jesus does. We don't understand his plan. We don't understand what he's going to do. We just have to learn that if Jesus is going to do it, it's good. That we got to trust him because he knows what he's doing. He went to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but that's a recipe for going broke. If you give half of your stuff away to the poor, and then you've got to pay back everybody you took from four times what you took from them, you're basically pledging to go broke. 
You're saying, all that I have, I will give away, I will return, I will restore to those who I have wronged. I will give right now what makes me prestigious, what makes me powerful. I bet you he was out of a job after this. I bet you nobody wanted him to collect taxes anymore because the people under him wanted to keep extorting money and he was a different person now. He couldn't be a part of that anymore. Scripture says right then and there, there was a change in Zacchaeus just by having Jesus in his house, just by letting him come in. We need to learn to see the people in the trees that are searching for Jesus. And we, instead of grumbling when Jesus notices them, we need to help them to get to Jesus. Because when Jesus goes and invites them to let him in, he does an incredible work in their lives that only he can do. You and I can't do it, but he can do it. If you had asked anybody in that town if Zacchaeus could ever return any of the money that he had taken from them, they would have laughed you out of the bar. They would have been like, uh-uh. He's, he's, are we talking about Sack? I, mean, I know him. He'd never do that. Jesus' presence always brings joy and transformation. It brings change. These are the ingredients of salvation Today, Jesus said, salvation has come into this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Whenever we think that anybody is past salvation or too far gone, we need to remember this phrase. Because Jesus was basically saying, I came for all. I came that all can have life in me. I came that all can repent of their sins. I came that all can find a new life through my life. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus revealed that this was his mission. He came to seek, to never give up looking and searching for us, to never give up looking for those who are still out there trying to find a tree to climb so that they can get a glimpse at Jesus, trying to reach those that might walk by the church or drive by the church on a regular basis, and every now and then the Holy Spirit tries to call them in, and they're still on the fence. Jesus is still seeking each and every one of those. And one of the things that this scripture really reminds us is that we need to get out of the way so they can see Jesus. Zacchaeus was short. If all the tall people didn't part the sea and let him get to Jesus, he would have never come to Jesus. If when Jesus called them down from the tree, they wouldn't have made a path for him, he would have never been able to come to Jesus because they were in the way. And we need to learn to get out of the way so people can get to Jesus. To save means to redeem, to forgive, and to restore. All those things happened in Zacchaeus' life that day. 
And so this story is interesting because it is a miracle in Zacchaeus' life. But it is a travel story because it's in the itinerary of Jesus. But it's also a story about redemption and grace. So there is so much to it that we can still learn from and apply. Zacchaeus' internal change brought him to change externally where people could see it and people could notice it. He was going to put his money where his mouth was. And I got to tell you something. If your wallet hasn't been converted, you haven't been converted yet. If your money is not God's money, and if your time is not God's time, and if your service is not in the service of God, then you haven't been converted. Because conversion means turning over, giving everything over to God, and putting it at his disposal. Zacchaeus on that day didn't hold anything back. He basically said, all that I am with all my flaws and all the things that are my shortcomings, I give to you, Jesus. I don't want to continue to live the way I have. I want to be different. Jesus' true mission was revealed on this day just in time for him to go and to perform the perfect sacrifice on the cross for all of us. And people would remember this story for years to come, even today, 2,000 plus years, we're still repeating it, to be reminded that Jesus did come to search for everyone who is lost. And the reality is that if you don't have Jesus, you're lost. If you don't have Jesus, you need to be found. And if you don't have Jesus, he's ready to call you down from your tree and say, can I come into your home? Can I come into your heart? Can I come into your life and make it new? I pray that you've invited him in. I pray you haven't tried to reschedule him. I pray that you haven't put him off in any way, but that you've taken the opportunity to have Jesus in your life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, because you, you do continue to search for those who are lost. You search for us when we go astray. You search for those that we know, O oh Lord, when they, they can't see you because other things are in the way. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will help us to bring people to you, people to meet Jesus, people to encounter Jesus, people to be transformed by Jesus. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will empower us to be conduits of your grace and of your mercy for others as we invite them into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that in his name. Amen. If you feel like Jesus doesn't see you, I want to tell you that he knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows where you've been. And he still loves you. And so the altar is open. If you want to come forward for prayer, we'd be glad to pray for you. We'd be glad to pray that you can recommit yourself to following him in your life and to seek him in your life. Let us worship as the altar is open.